Hello and welcome back to Dear Adam Silver. Today's episode is brought to you by Bookman's. I always feel very lucky to get to partner with a local business, and today is no different because local businesses are going to be hit hard by the current coronavirus spread, and I am happy to show my support for one of my favorites, Bookman's. And while I do hope you are staying home if you can, maybe even reading a favorite book, don't forget about the local businesses around you that might be hurting because of this pandemic. Remember, Bookman's has all your entertainment wants and needs under one roof. From books to records to musical instruments and movies, Bookman's has cool covered. You can follow Bookman's on Instagram at bookmansaz, and you can always go to their website, www.bookmans.com, to find out the latest updates. Okay, so my episode today is a conversation I had with Abdi Farah just yesterday. Obviously, sitting alone in my closet recording a podcast with someone who is three states away is a pretty safe thing to do right now. We discussed the NBA postponing their season, as well as me postponing my wedding that was supposed to be this Saturday, all because of the coronavirus. And we also talked about how ESPN exists when there are no live sports. One thing that we didn't touch on, which I really want to acknowledge, is that some NBA players and owners are paying the wages of arena employees who might normally miss out on getting paid if the games are not taking place. I think it is an extremely upsetting part of our overall employment system that part-time and non-salaried employees are never guaranteed anything. These jobs and the people who have them are extremely unprotected and vulnerable. I so wish that there could just be a league-wide policy about this so that it wouldn't be a question when games got canceled or postponed and that other companies and organizations would follow. A huge shout-out to the players who have publicly announced they are donating money to invest in the people that make the games happen. Kevin Love, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Blake Griffin, and Zion Williamson, among others who are donating to coronavirus-related causes, and the owners who are stepping up to work alongside them. I also want to shout out the college players who had their seasons end early in every spring sport. I can understand their heartbreak and disappointment even if they agree with the decision. It is difficult to work so hard towards one event and then have the rug sort of pulled out from under you right before you are ready to start. I was just in Lawrence, Kansas and got to attend two men's basketball games while I was there. One of the games was the senior night where graduating players spoke about their time at KU and the people who had helped them along the way. And while I realize there is so much wrong and problematic with the business of college sports, it is clear that the players cared about this place and the team and were looking forward to competing in March Madness. So I just want to recognize their disappointment. Anyways, I hope you are all listening to this at least six feet away from anyone else. And please don't forget to share this episode with anyone you think is interested, as well as rate and review the podcast. Thank you for listening as always, and please stay home and stay safe. So Wednesday night, I um, got home from being out, and my boyfriend was like, did you hear about Rudy Gobert? And I was like, what about him? And he was like, he's coronavirus. And then I look at my phone, and you said the NBA season's canceled or postponed or whatever, and it was It like, happened so quick. It was like right. nothing was going on. Like, oh, we're thinking about, we're thinking about having games with no fans, and how do players think about that? How will that be as like a television experience? So we're like kind of starting to prepare for that reality. Right. And then it went from whatever that was, like 10 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour real quick, where it's like, nah, like F all that, season's canceled. Uh, 
players are testing positive for it. We're just stopping this whole thing, which was like, stop the record. Just my yeah. eyes jumping out of their brain as, as I heard all that. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a really, so, of course, like, all of these decisions now feel like they could have been made, like, earlier, but at the same time, it's, it's, this is a difficult thing. I mean, just, I don't know if it's the NBA's job necessarily to, like, lead the way on this type of thing, and it turns out that they kind of ended up doing that because of Yeah, they popularity. were the, yeah, interesting. Right, yeah. and so, I mean, it's such a good, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I, in some ways, I'm like, gosh, like, I'm not I wouldn't say I'm proud of the NBA because I'm like not the NBA's mom but like I'm just I'm so glad that they made the choice that they did and uh but it's just it really um was so sudden and you know I mean just the fact that like there were players on the court that had to just be you know that didn't know what was going on that had to be told to to leave and then people are being like tested for the virus inside the Chesapeake arena in Oklahoma City which is also just such a crazy thing and that um yeah I think that that plus Tom Hanks uh is when things got very very real and serious and that all happened in like a couple hour span I know. and like maybe a, maybe a 10 minute span within my brain like I heard about it and then was just getting text messages from like friends and family just like, did you hear about Tom Hanks? And I'm just like, what do you mean? It's how they so like I didn't even right. necessarily like link it to coronavirus. I'm like, oh my god, what's what's wrong? Um, yeah, it's I I kind of agree with your sentiments that um, once again, this is like an example of the NBA kind of being this kind of cultural leader. Um, on the second hand, in hindsight, it kind of feels like all of the half measures and all of the like, oh, maybe NCAA is going to be without fans or like maybe the NBA is going to play without fans. Right. It seems like all of that was possibly like, um, like too slow. It's like Definitely. maybe these things should have just been happening. It's like interesting how, how slow we are to get rid of those things we love. And I say that as somebody who even this week I'm still living in denial, I'm like, still going out with friends, like, still going to the bar, still, I was just about to, like, uh, where you called, I was about to go, like, play basketball, and I'm like, ah, should I, should I go play basketball with, like, these 10 guys, and, like, breathe in each other's faces, and I'm like, it, it's so interesting how slow we are to take precautions until, like, bad shit starts to happen, um, yeah, so it's an interesting, yeah, it has me just thinking about a lot of things, sure. um, it's funny that of I, I'm still just like trying to wrap my head around how this virus spreads and I'm listening to everything. And I, I was watching before we hopped on the phone, I was watching uh, that weird, there's like a weird seven minute YouTube video of that kind of before the Oklahoma city, Utah jazz game starts with everybody waiting to get the news. And this is like four or five days later but there is like this crowd of like the three referees and Billy Donovan, the coach of OKC and uh, Quinn Snyder, the coach of Utah. And they're all just like huddled talking to each other. And I'm just like, wow, that seems really unsanitary. Sure, yeah. like, <laughs> but yeah. four days ago, four days ago, this seemed like the normal way people interacted. Um, so 
the way our brains are morphing and transforming to comprehend this new reality, I find very interesting. Um, and then, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling, but then, um, like, Rudy, like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell tested positive for it. Um, but I'm like, are they just like besties? Do they just like talk a lot to each other? Like, why sure. is it the whole? Do they share a sandwich? <laughs> yeah, like, what? That, oh, that's that's interesting. Like, maybe they like shared a drink or something. Yeah, it's or, like, like you gotta like, try this. <laughs> shared a bag of M and M's or something. I don't know. <sighs> um, but it's like, how would that not be? Yeah, if I like worked with. 15 people very closely, I would just expect for them all to have it, but I guess not. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting to me that really it's, it's just them. It's just Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and, um, Christian Wood who plays for the Detroit Pistons. I guess he has tested positive now and he was like, uh, he was guarding Rudy Gobert. Like, I guess they added up. It was like 63 possessions or something when, um, (laughs) which is like insane. So this, I guess maybe this was last week. So that's the, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, to me, it's crazy too. I was just in Lawrence, Kansas and I went to a KU basketball game like last last Wednesday, so a week before all of this happened. And, um, you know, it's just crazy to me to think about, like, how many people are in this space. And even at the uh, OKC-Utah Jazz game, it's hard for me to imagine that, like, within all of those people, like, all those fans in attendance, that maybe someone else might not... I mean, that that someone else could also have it that was at the game, you know? And it's just, like, that could also have been the case. I mean, the odds are they... That they do. <laughs> yeah, or that they've since then come into contact with someone that does like or or whatever. I mean, it's just it's it's so um, you, we just don't know. And it's just really it's just. Yeah, like you were saying, it's like zero to ten or I mean, basically, it's like ten to zero, actually. Like it just went so it just closed and ended and um, was called off so quickly. And even just thinking about the the announcer, I don't know if you heard this when you were watching that clip, um, but the announcers like you can't say like Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus like yeah, at like, the game. Uh, he's at home with an illness. Right. Yeah. So he's just like, oh, <laughs> you know, go home and like be safe because also there's this fear, I think, of like scaring the shit out of people and having people like run or I mean, do something that could create like a dangerous situation when people like need to get out of a space. Um, so it's just, yeah, I just... um it's just, it's wild. And even to think that there's this whole sports network that's set up um, ESPN for, for sports only. And now there aren't any sports and just thinking like, they're not, they're still going. I mean, it's just like, there's some news to share, of course, still, but it's like, when I, when I watched a little bit the other night, it was like top 10 best comebacks top 10 this top 10 that and it's like they're gonna that is gonna be their thing <laughs> until there's something else like they're just gonna have these lists and um it just yeah it feels there's there's this hole there um of a part of our culture that's now kind of like missing and I'm glad that it is I'm really grateful um of course I think that decisions could have been made sooner and I'm wondering where, you know, it's like, does Adam Silver have information that we don't? Or was he going off the same information that we had and it wasn't until a player, um, you know, uh, tested positive that it was like, oh, this is very... I mean, that's the way it seems that that was like the bottom line. 
Um, yeah, that was like the thing that changed everything. Yeah, but what if a fan had, you know, been at the game, then left and tested positive, and then it came out that that fan was at the OKC game the night before or whatever? Like, would, like I just think there's also this I mean, thing. I, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I think that's why they were planning to move to no fans, because I guess they were just assuming, like, oh, our, our like, rich millionaire, 25-year-old celebrity basketball player, they probably don't really have a lot of contact with like potentially this virus so they probably are immune to it right now so we'll just like get the fans out of the equation and we'll just have them playing in the arenas and that'll be a way to kind of keep this thing contained but no one understands this disease the way they need to and it's like obviously there's a chance that players have it already um yeah i the cynic and conspiracy theorists and me not, i'm not a conspiracy theorist because that's <laughs> Most of those people are crazy. Sure, but, of course. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I would venture to say, like, there are so many more um, celebrities and NBA players in particular that ha- probably have the virus, and their their PR teams are just doing a really good job of wow. uh, keeping it under wraps. Because it is, it's weird. Like, eventually, it, it shouldn't be this way. It's just like uh, a sickness like any other. Um, but for the time being, as this thing kind of becomes more a part of our, um, new normal, it does kind of have this scarlet letter sense to it. Like I was really, I was like, Ooh, Rudy Gobert was like the only person with it. It's like, Oh man, he's like the one guy that gets singled out. So (laughs) it's like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure if some like super famous NBA player, like LeBron James, that he's like, all right, this does not leave this room. I'm going to like nurse myself back to health and, we're going to keep this thing moving. Yeah, no, it's really, um, I mean, also just unfortunate that like Rudy Gobert was like publicly not taking it seriously because of course that's like coming back to haunt him a little bit. But, you know, I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast the other day and him and Howard Beck were saying that like, oh, you know, we've heard a lot of players joking around about this like and other people, they just didn't do it in front of the camera necessarily or like they're not the ones with, that have tested positive for the virus, so they're not um, sort of, they're not getting the spotlight sort of shown on all of the things that they did um, before. But it's but just... Then it's, okay. Oh, I was just going to say also um, that uh, I lost it. Just you go. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so sorry. No, it's sorry okay. Go, go, um, go. Yeah, but then from, from, uh, from Rudy Gobert's perspective, it's like I understand why... I mean, obviously, it was, like, distasteful. Sure. Uh, but I kind of understand his need to, like, diffuse the situation, but also be like, all right, don't treat me like I'm some kind of, like, person that you're just going to send out on a ship to and blow up the ship somewhere. Like, I'm a real human being. Sure. I'm going through this. I mean, it kind of reminded me of um, when in, like, the 90s, was it, like, 91 all-star game when like after Magic Johnson tested positive for HIV and like players were thinking about not playing with them and like Carl Malone was like I'm not playing with Magic Johnson and it's like all right we need to like not be so caught up in the sensationalization of this and actually treat these people like human beings and I feel like Gobert was just angry that now he was this kind of like little like test monkey who's kind of closed off from everybody else um so i could kind of understand 
even if it was kind of a bad decision. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that we all, I mean, it just, he happened, like, it happened to be that he made the joke that was documented and he is now the one that was like the first case and but i mean people were saying the other day like donovan mitchell could have spread it to rudy gobert you know it's just it's hard you can't tell where it started from you know um maybe now that christian wood has i mean i'm just not sure i mean the other thing that's been so strange to me is that i mean it's also the ball like the ball that they're playing with like that could be moving some of this stuff around in a sense like things that are you know like spit and sweat and I mean I don't think that I mean this disease is not as far as I know not transferred through sweat but just like the ball is like a carrier in a sense like just conceptually in my mind it's just that is such an weird part of all of this that that um you know that they're like bumping up against each other but they're also like they're putting germs on the ball and you're just breathing in each other's faces yeah. forever. It's like, like basketball is such a respiratory totally. sport. And even though it is like this open and freewheeling sport, and that's why we love it, it is kind of like tight and compact and like a lot of just like rubbing shoulders and like back to back and yes. front to front. and So many of- high fives. So many high fives, you know? Just yeah, so many high fives. Like, and butt pats and just all I of mean, it. I mean, I, I was thinking about like Steve Nash when he had the long hair and he just licked his hand every like yeah. second and put his hair behind his ear. Oh, that was so gross. That was so gross even then. <laughs> totally. Or like Steph Curry's mouthpiece, I think we've discussed oh, before. Oh my God, like- that mouthpiece. He's just a petri dish. Yes. Oh, my goodness. 100%. Yes, exactly. And just, like, all of that. So um, it's just that's an interesting part of this is just thinking, yeah, the things that – I guess I do think of it as kind of this, like, expansive open game that, like, spreads itself out. But at the same time, like, so much – they're always touching each other. Like, it's so rare that they're that p- players aren't, like, bumping into each other and, and all of that. I, I've been like a germaphobe forever. I'm not. I'm not a germaphobe. I'll say it. I'm not a germaphobe. Just like I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Right. I know I've you're really been, showing like, your true self right but now. But I've always been like very germ conscious, and I, I play with a mouthpiece when I play basketball because I don't know. I have big teeth, and they always get in the way. And whenever I don't wear a mouthpiece, I get elbowed and like sure. Um, so I wear a mouthpiece and. I do this thing where once I put my mouthpiece in, I don't touch it until I'm done playing the entire time I'm playing and I go back into the locker room and like wash my hands. And I've been doing that for years just because I'm like, oh man, I'm touching this ball. Like people are using the bathroom. They're like, like wiping their hands on their shoes to like get the dirt off their shoes. I'm like, all right, I need to keep my hands away from my, mouthpiece in my mouth um but that that, that's a a a tangent (laughs) no I think I mean that's just good I mean that's great that you already had that habit I hope you continue it and like that's just good it's it's good practices as far as I mean there's so many things I didn't think about with my own self like being kind of um irresponsible in that way so yeah and then if I could if I could go back to what you were talking about with uh ESPN for a second sure um I think it's funny, like we have this uh, sports media world that for the most part doesn't actually need the sports in the game. If this, if, if you go with me for a second, there's just so much ancillary talking head 
show stuff and it's almost as if the games themselves only ever represent like maybe five to ten percent of everything that's being talked about like they're talking about free agency they're talking about trade talking about like inside the locker room drama they're talking about all this other yeah football cba Uh, and all that yeah the nfl cba all of that and it's almost uh i almost feel like they're gonna find their stride and they're not even gonna miss a beat and they're gonna be able to fill this time the way they've been filling in the time (laughs) there's just so much i don't know I, i just feel like the games aren't as important as they you probably think they are. That's so interesting. And and I think that potentially, yeah, maybe that, and I think I've just been watching like so close to the new, um, I mean, to when this started that potentially there's like, as it gets further from the decision when people aren't turning on things with the expectations, like not turning on ESPN, expecting to see something and you kind of just adjust what you're going to find there. And then they can really talk about a bunch of other things um yeah I think that that's interesting and I mean I think what I think is a little bit of strange is that there's this like they kind of have set up a little bit of a wall for themselves as far as they can only cover the coronavirus like to a certain extent like in how it relates specifically to sports rather than covering it um in its sort of you know like having interviews or you know talking with people who are concerned about the coronavirus um, beyond its effect on sports. So I think that that's kind of an interesting thing because they are just sports, and that's been something that they've made really clear in the past couple years. Like, there's not necessarily that space to, like, discuss this sort of scary thing that's happening outside of the sports world. Sure. Do you, do you, I have a, I have a, just a question. Do you think that that's a... Like, I think it's a bad thing that it's, like, so cut and dry and that people actually get in trouble for expressing yeah. their political beliefs. But I, I don't necessarily disagree with that desire to keep your brand specific. It's like, I don't really... The people who are on ESPN, I mean, they're on ESPN because they know sports. And I'm not as interested... Just like I don't think most of the people on MSNBC and on CNN are particularly smart about politics, I, I'm thinking a lot of the people on ESPN would be probably even less so, and I don't sure. necessarily need them to be uh, to be kind of giving their opinions on each and everything. Um, so I'm I'm not always yeah I don't like the kind of censorship of it, but I don't mind this idea of like, I'm going to stick to what I know. I definitely agree with that. It was actually interesting hearing, I mean, so much of what they ended up talking about the other day, like this opinion, there was like a round table about whether the NCAA should cancel the March Madness tournament. This was on Thursday, I think before they did it and Wednesday night. Um, And just, I mean, getting to hear what people who played in the March Madness tournament think, it was really, really interesting. And that's not, uh, th- those aren't people that work at CNN or MSNBC or, you know, any of that, like, regularly. So I, I liked having those discussions within this group of people. I agree, like, the censorship is the issue or that, you know, that, like, um, someone's personal Twitter account has to be, like, reflective of what their... Um, the company's goal is rather than their own so I think that that's 
highly problematic. But that being said, like, I don't want to get advice necessarily from, I mean, I don't even know who I should necessarily be getting advice from right now. Like, but I don't want to, that's, I'm just thinking, I just feel like, um, because it's the sports only network and that's been made more clear, it's like they, they do have less, they just, um, they just have less flexibility for, for including like, stories that are kind of on the the edges um between like sports and politics and things like that um yeah I I don't know I I think that I don't go to ESPN for news and current events outside of sports so that shouldn't change this it's just like an interesting model and so that's when I think like the ringer is something that is kind of effective because it attracts a lot of heavy sports fans but there's also this has its other stories and you know, articles on other things, current events, um, like other parts of pop culture, like all this stuff uh, in one place. And that can that can be effective um, right now as far as like the sharing strange, information. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. The strange thing is it, it's kind of showing that like the sports media landscape has changed just in the last like 10 or 15 years. I mean, that's an obvious statement. Um, but I feel like when I was younger, ESPN did have not necessarily that it was talking about political stuff, but there was there was just much more of like a journalistic bent to it, where there were a lot of shows that were doing these like longer term stories, and there was like outside the lines, and then there were like like interview shows where they were like talking about like kind of bigger issues, and there was uh, like the Thirty for Thirty documentary series, and those were kind of going at like a like a faster clip and just in the last like five years that's really transitioned into this like we're going to be all about whatever like the day's Mm, um, is and the day's news is and there isn't that kind of foundation of or that reservoir of topics and shows and discussions to be had that don't center around the day-to-day which I find um, right. kind of interesting. I mean, I guess, I mean, they've done the kind of business calculus and it's probably just more expensive to produce these kind of longer form journalistic efforts. Um, and then also when I was younger, I, I just remember there was just, there was ESPN, there was ESPN two, and then there was ESPN classic. And they were like these three, yeah. this three headed monster. And each of them was not, I mean, obviously ESPN one was the most important one. Uh, but it's almost like they forgot about ESPN Classic, and I love that. It was just playing like old games, or play like the five Michael Jordan games where you have like over fifty points, or like sure. these like four turning points in so and so's career. Um, and it just seems like they could have been like this is the time to maybe lean into that a bit. Right. No, I think that um, I saw someone was saying that they should, I guess they have this like uh, documentary coming out, this like 10 part documentary coming out about the Bulls. Um, It's supposed to come out in June or something. And so someone was like, they should just release it now. I mean, we're we're all ready for it. Um, Unedited. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know. Seriously. I mean, that's what everyone wants anyways. So I I think that that could be, um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to sort of see where it goes. And the other thing is that I feel like out of the two of us sometimes, well, if you are the conspiracy theorist, I am kind of naive sometimes. Like, let's use the Anthony <laughs> Davis example that um, when uh, 
Oh, what is his name? The the new manager of the Cavs. Uh, Sorry, the, new... the the Pelicans. Who was the man? Who... Oh, David Griffin. David, David Griffin. Griffin. So when David Griffin got to yeah. New Orleans and he was like, you know, they got the number one pick and he was putting out all these quotes like Anthony Davis is going to stay now. Like, we're going to make this work. And I said that to you and you were like, I think he's just saying that to get like a better deal like for oh, him. Oh, 100%. You know? yeah. And I was like, oh, you know. And so I think that maybe <laughs> that's happening a little bit again now with when you're like, yeah, there might be some other players that have coronavirus who aren't telling us because it does seem um yeah I'm, I think I'm just always like oh yeah everyone's just like saying exactly what they mean all the time and being super forthcoming I mean that's just that's my like where I start off with my assumptions not so great so yeah I think that that that's an interesting thing that there could be other players and of course that is that is their personal business I feel like you know these things about health and you know how people sort of have moved around these spaces and and treated this issue like it can be really hard to I mean it's just like it can seem really far away from for us still because I don't um, I'm knocking on the inside of my closet door I don't know anyone yet who's like sort of personally affected by this like you know that's in my life um and I don't think that that is going to last. I mean, I'm just scared it won't. And so I think that even though I know who Rudy Gobert is and he's like a a familiar face to me, it still feels like far away. And, and I guess the other thing is that like you were saying, like these, these young players that, you know, a big part of their life is taking care of their health and their body. And there's a lot of people paid a lot of money to do that for them. And it's like, if they can get this, you know, really, Anyone can, and it and I think you know. There's been so much talk about when the Utah Jazz got tested at the arena in Oklahoma City. Like, where did those tests come from? How did they get all of these tests in such a short amount of time? When there's uh, so few tests for other people who are going to the hospital, saying like, "I'm experiencing these symptoms." Um, oh yeah, if you're a multi-million dollar yeah. organization, get those get those tests real quick. I know, and like <laughs> that's the other problem. It's like because some people's bodies matter more than others, and I think oh, that um, yeah. well, not of course, but yeah, it's, yeah. No, sure. I mean of course, like that. That's another obvious thing, and it it sometimes. Um, I mean, I don't think that that's some. I think that's something that is just like apparent in so many different ways within our society like on many many levels and this is just one way that that's being shown to us is that yeah I mean we that that's something that could be accessed really quick even if I'm not sure I see it going back and forth about whether they got them from the state of Oklahoma or they got the test from a private um, distributor but even if they got the test from the private distributor it's so fucked up because it's like um there shouldn't these tests should not be anything that anyone gets to own, you know, in that sense. Like they should belong to all of us so that all of us can can get access to them. And so it's this idea that there's even like private uh, distribution of the tests is is problematic, even if that's where they got them. Oh, I mean, oh, oh, Abigail, I, <laughs> speak of, a, speak of a, a beautiful world. I I, uh, <sighs> I I used to think about this all the time when, like, let's say athlete A has some like catastrophic knee or leg injury and they get flown immediately to the best hospital and they're doing, they're having surgery that night to get like their ACL or their like fractured leg uh, mended. And right. it's always like, Oh, the, the surgery was a success because they worked with the best doctors and they did it like at the right amount of time. Um, meanwhile, I have like a really good friend of mine, 
uh, here in New Orleans, who's like a pretty competitive soccer player. Um, and she tore her ACL playing soccer, but like her Medicare is her, her not Medicare, her health insurance is terrible. And they were like making her go through like physical therapy first to see if she would need to get surgery. And then it's like a year later and she's still waiting to get her ACL surgery. Um, and it's all just like a difference in who, who these people are. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure anyone who has some kind of concierge doctor service is able to get the tests or it, yeah, it's, it's, it's always going to be a picture of like who has and who doesn't, you know, like there's always thought about like uh, what's going to happen with like homeless population and like, like people who don't have any sort of connection to any healthcare systems or any kind of social safety net, what's going to happen to them. Like just going to be like people dying on the street. They don't even know they're sick, but they're just feeling terrible and nobody's kind of looking in on them. Um, Yeah. I don't like to be, I, I don't like to say that these times are good, but these times are these times that are a flashlight on our society and let us know what our, priorities are and let us know like the things that we're not paying attention to that we should like even even this week like nancy pelosi not nancy pelosi but like the congress they're like passing this um kind of paid sick leave bill it's like we should have been doing we should have been doing this with or without a global pandemic like these are things that should have been happening regardless I know it is so upsetting that people, I mean, besides from the pandemic, like people go to work sick. Like you're saying, like this is just a huge flashlight where it's like showing us in really dramatic um, form, like who is going to get taken care of no matter what, like no matter what Rudy Gobert does, like he's going to get taken care of at this point. You know, he can't not be. And there's other people who are trying and they can't get it. They can't get care. They can't get attention. Um, and I just don't know any of their names because they're not Rudy Gobert. And so that's just, uh, yeah, it's like extremely problematic and upsetting and, uh, it's just a failed, failed system. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I know. There's not, yeah, I know. I'd be kind of annoyed if you didn't. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I know I was actually, um, I was just at the pharmacy yesterday to pick up a prescription and it turns out that my Medicaid has expired or something so I'm not covered right now and I couldn't get my prescription yeah. but there was someone in front of me and she had insurance and the insurance would not cover her medication she was going to have to pay like $350 for her medication yeah. it's just it's such a poor but you're damned either way man yeah like, oh i know i just couldn't believe like i felt really shitty at i mean it's just like in general i think we're also sort of there's this idea in our head that if we rely on like what the state can provide for us um, in many different forms, and that means that like we're kind of like failing as a human being in a sense. It's like, why don't I have a job that provides me health insurance? Why do I have to get health insurance from the state? Like, th- there's this like mindset. And even though I felt really like shitty after that interaction at the pharmacy, I was still like, God, I could have health insurance and this still would not be covered. Like, how is that possible? How is this? how we function like how is this okay it's all it's all a scam it's all it's a total yeah, yeah i hate being that i hate being that person no burn it down I mean, it's just it's it's um 
Yeah, it's just I so mean, apparent. If, if right ever now. there was like a platform for, I mean, it looks like the, I mean, it looks like strangely everything in this democratic race is like wrapping up, which is just weird. But if ever there was a time for like a progressive candidate to really like put the fire on this country of how things can and should be, it really, things really changed in the last week or so. Um, hope, I mean, looks like it's a little too late, but, sure. or too, too little too late, but, um, yeah, we'll see. I guess this debate between Sanders and Biden is still happening tonight, like with no audience, um, like just like one moderator is basically yeah. them on like, like a talk show together. I don't know. <laughs> but, right. Um, maybe hopefully it's like an interesting, uh, revealing conversation. Yeah, I hope so too. And I, I think that if this was happening, I mean, it was happening before Super Tuesday and it was happening. It just wasn't happening at this like level of information spreading and like knowledge. But if like, if we were currently before all these states had voted that have already voted now before Super Tuesday, before South Carolina, before Nevada, like all that stuff, I think maybe we might have like a different outcome potentially just because of how this has shown um, a lot of like injustices in our in our healthcare system and like how. Oh, yeah. I wish you could have support over. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping there's some kind of. I don't know. It's so so I am I have voted for Bernie Sanders in the Arizona primary and my only wish now at this point is that like Joe Biden will take on some of his policies and some of his ideas and and platforms so that he Joe Biden becomes more progressive. <laughs> like that's my hope. Um but yeah, it just seems I, I yeah, I don't know, it's disappointing. Yeah, that 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 sounds good. I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, I don't really, yeah, I mean, I guess Joe Biden's kind of like this tofu candidate where he can kind of be seasoned any way you want to. Um, right. So hopefully, well, hopefully like you're that. right. I like thinking about it, though. <laughs> hope, hope, hopefully you're right in that he kind of takes on a bit of the kind of Bernie Warren platform in, in some kind of way. Um, I um, I wanted to... I don't know how much you want to switch gears and talk about how this is kind of screwing up your like life plans and stuff like that. Oh but, yeah. Um, yeah, please. I mean, you could you could talk as little or as much oh about yes. It as um, well, yeah. I mean, I think that I so I have parents. I'm getting married, and I have parents, and it was important for me that I mean, I, we're having a really small wedding. It was like a 13 person guest list, including us. Um, So that already felt like, you know, really slimmed down and like, you know, we're both really excited. Um, And I just got back from Kansas and like, we're looking forward to this. And it just seemed like as the news kept coming out to ask my parents and for Eliseo to ask his parents, like get on planes to come to Tucson was already a little bit like unnerving. And then like once they're here, you know, I, if I, there's, you know, this thing that younger people are carrying the virus and they might not know, I don't, you know, my mom was saying, okay, like we'll come down for the wedding, but 
you know, I'm not going to hug anyone. And, and that is, um, you know, it's like that kind of oh, takes that's, the... That's all weddings are. I know. Yeah. I'm like, oh, gosh. You know, it's like, what are we going to do if we can't hug each other? Um, and just thinking about that, like all the little things, like someone serving themselves a piece of cake and then they put down the serving utensil and then someone else goes to serve themselves a piece of cake. Like there's so many things that like we share, so much space that we share, so many objects that we share that we don't always clean in between. And uh, it just seemed like, God, it would be so awful if people came to this wedding and then, you know, we had a great time. It was like this perfect day, wonderful. And then like someone goes home and like gets a fever. Like I couldn't bear that responsibility. Yeah. Don't, it, yeah. Yeah. It's not a, yeah. Uh, I, y'all, y'all made, y'all made the right decision. <laughs> and I think a lot of people are making those decisions. It's like, all right, we want this to be a fun time. Let's not add this level of stress to it all. Yeah, and I just think it just felt, you know, it's felt just since that we made the decision, I think, on, like, Friday. And I think the other thing was that, like, at the end of the day, like, this gives us, like, way more options as far as, like, moving forward. Like, there's no pressure to, I mean, I really wanted to get married. We wanted to do it on this day. We were so looking forward to it. But it's, like, there's not, there's no, it's not a, like, necessity. That's something that needs to happen right away. So it just seemed like, yeah, there's no reason to to be together right now and as soon as we made the decision it was like oh my god that was the easiest like after making the decision it felt like so obvious what the answer was and it was just you like, know, that like, was let's... The right yeah so that's um that's felt pretty good since then especially like with more and more news coming out and um you know if my parents had come they would have like flown through sfo which is like such a big huge hub from uh, for all over the place and it just felt like yeah, why, why risk anything? And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it definitely, I mean, like I've made some decisions based on this, uh, virus in a way that, you know, other scary current events, like don't necessarily always like get into your psyche about how like you operate on a day-to-day basis. And this is definitely one where I've, um, yeah, I've just felt like not personally impacted by it, but that it's changed how I think about, some some things that would normally seem kind of like mundane or obvious it's like this has kind of changed my perspective a little bit well good good luck on the uh the, the rescheduling and all Thanks. that i'm, I know. I'm yeah. sure you guys will have a better uh it'll, it'll be uh worth worth the wait um yeah. you have a much, a much better a much better dance party at the end Totally. I mean, we were going to go to karaoke. It's just like thinking about like, how do you go to karaoke when, uh, like what happens to the microphone? Like the microphone is yeah, the that, ball that, at karaoke, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like it's the thing that everyone's touching, everyone's passing around. And that was what we were going to do on our wedding night. We're both like huge karaoke people. So, uh, wow. it, it just wow. seems like, yeah, I know. Sorry. Curveball, Abdi, you may not have known this. I love karaoke, but yeah, I mean, there were just going to be a lot of adjustments, and it just seems like, why don't we get together when we can, like, bump into each other and not be terrified, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Is this affecting, are you, are you teaching this semester? I was not teaching this semester, okay. but I'm still pretty connected to Tulane and um, was actually on campus this week when they kind of made the announcement um, that they were kind of canceling or 
canceling the semester and eventually the kids are going to be kind of making their way off of campus and, and home, which is a whole other can of worms. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely, um, it was definitely kind of observing it from afar. Um, it was funny the day when they were doing it, they were, uh, they hadn't made the announcement yet, but the students kind of knew and all the frat houses were just like partying outside. Yeah. I was just like, wow, this is not exactly the best way to go about <laughs> this, is not not the reaction. this virus. Um, and then, yeah, it's like, it kind of puts, yeah, it's like, you kind of realize what things are essential and what things are not essential. Like, as much as I love basketball and as much as I love school and education, I think we can, it's okay to, like, take a little break on all these things. Yeah, when they can come back, they will come back, and it won't. I mean, there's the the people's lives who are like going to be affected by this long term are not um, necessarily as concerned. I mean, the big concern is not like the NBA schedule or the school schedule. You know, it's just like those things can be can come back in pretty seamlessly to our lives. I think. Um, yeah. I know I was wondering if you were having to teach an art class online, which I was just thinking, I have a friend who's teaching in North Carolina, and she was like, yeah, I'm coming up with a curriculum to teach ceramics online, and I was like, damn. Yeah, all my, all, all my colleagues are, I'm like, damn, I should have thought about, like, I should have thought about some business of, like, putting all of these, like, how to teach art online, like, a year ago or something. So, shoot. Yeah, smart. it seems so... Um, such a strange I mean those are the classes I think more so than others that like just because even within a studio class like it's pretty much never going to be bigger than like 25 people um in my experience so it's like it's not going to be a big lecture where you can just like take in information like you need to like being physically there is an important such an important aspect of the class true yeah so that's and like actually having it's like such a like a barrier like having having the equipment, having the tools, having the materials. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, it's like almost, it's like, is it worth trying to recreate this outside of our studio context? But then, I mean, I feel like these things are a challenge to flexibility. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, we might not be able to do actual real play ceramics. So let's like, how can we think about ceramics in a, kind of larger sense how can we think about painting in a larger sense how can we think about these subjects that we thought were bound to x y or z parameter how can we think about them um more i mean abstractly um so i i feel like artists are the the ones who are equipped to figure out the kind of best way to solve these problems definitely i think it that's it's a good reminder to to know that like just because something's been done one way for, you know, X amount of years um, and that's the most obvious way to relay information or to think about these things that you can always sort of expand. Oh, I also, I want to talk about how many emails you've been getting from the New Orleans Pelicans and what they're saying to season ticket holders. I, well, that's, that's a great question because I, uh, we've only gotten one email Hmm. from them and it was basically like, 
we're working in coordination with the NBA and we look forward to getting back to you with like updated information. And that was like maybe three days ago. Um, I actually think they're going to like be pretty limited in their emails because they don't want us like emailing them about like refunds or something like that. Sure. Um, but I, I might be emailing them soon about a refund. <laughs> I know you're like speaking of <laughs> doing that, like I'm about to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, even though I just I haven't really thought about it too much. I don't really there were only like ten home games left in the season. Um mm. which is maybe which is kind of a quarter of whatever we paid for season tickets. There are only forty one home games. Right. Um Yeah, who knows? I haven't really thought about that too much. I I'm pretty sure we're last on the totem pole of whoever gets kind of made whole in this kind of a situation, but um oh oh well yeah I was just thinking that they might be emailing you a lot because like it seems like every company I've ever given my email address to has like let me know oh, where yeah, they stand about, uh, yeah. so I yeah. thought like especially for for that because the they're the front lines I know I'm just like listen you rejected me from something three years ago like I don't care what your policy is about this yeah you know? I don't even live in your town like, I, don't I know anymore I actually, it's my um, one of my least. Thanks for thinking about me. My least favorite part about applying to things is that like they automatically put your email address on their list, so that like after you don't get in or whatever, then they're like, yeah, you, you know, you're getting reminded of like, oh, here's what's happening this week at this residency. You didn't yeah. yeah, and like, here's all the people that so, got it instead, like announcing. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, wow, this should be. This is like so emotionally straining. Yeah, like this should be totally. Um, yeah. Yeah, just not. It's not right. So I don't. I don't erase any emails. Like my my like Gmail inbox has like forty thousand hundred oh emails. God. But the only ones I do erase are like rejection emails and those like I look at them for one second and then they instantly get deleted and nothing else gets deleted. It's just like on on to the next thing. Yeah, you you cannot. Like, I cannot have, have that. that like, yeah in my eyes every time I like open up my Gmail for like the next week until that page gets like pushed down to the bottom. It's like, I'm not going to see that. Like, unfortunately, tagline, I know. Um, I know. Looking, oh. looking at me in my face. Um, yeah. Well, do you have any uh, other thoughts about miss like basketball, not um, like I'm okay with basketball, not being around. I mean, I think for the reasons that we already discussed, because I know it, no matter what happens, it it's probably going to come back, even if it's not until next season or, you know, it's just like basketball still exists. It's just, um, it's just like feels so interesting to me that it like basketball kind of, or at least the NBA sort of like led, like started what turned, it made it this issue seem as serious as it is to so many people. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it makes sense in the fact that the NBA was in the height of its season, and it's the sport where it's played all across the country, and it's played almost every night. Like, I mean, every team isn't playing every night, but their games pretty much every night. So they had to really quickly make some decisions on this. Um, it is weird. Like, I feel like I've lived through like a number of like NBA lockouts, like there was the mm-hmm. one in like 98, like, uh, not 98, 99. And then there was the one like 
maybe 2011. Right. I want to say. Yeah, it was 2011. But usually those are like, like they're like that happens in the beginning. So it's like the first half of the season is like cut off, and then basketball starts up. Um, and this is weird to have it be going and this interesting season. Well, it's also just been the weirdest season. It's like, like freaking David Stern died and Kobe Bryant died. And then it's like canceled. It's crazy. What a weird, weird 2020 is just weird in general. Um, I'm using weird as a euphemism for pretty shit. Um, but, uh, yes, I, it, I, I personally, yeah, it just, it, it makes sense. And I'm not like, I, I'm a diehard basketball fan, but I'm I'm definitely okay with not having basketball in my eyes all the time. And it's also like, this is my chance to just go back and watch old Allen Iverson games on YouTube. Um, yeah, I just so watched I'll, the I'll, documentary about him on Netflix the other night. <laughs> what? There's a documentary on Netflix? Yeah, oh, I mean, it's one. it's called Iverson. I think it's it's yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, I remember. That yeah, was, that was one from like a couple years ago. Yes, yeah, for sure. And I think yeah. I so we I guess I had watched it before, but then forgot. I mean, I knew I had watched another Allen Iverson documentary, and then the other night I was like, maybe this is a different one. And it took me like until the bowling alley. Um, fight to realize like oh no, this is the same you know these are exactly yeah, the same yeah, yeah. people and um uh so yeah that was just i, I mean also last night i tried to watch uncut gem <laughs> but it oh, just have you, not, have you not seen it uh, sorry have you not seen it no and i also like i just am not that's like not my style of movie <laughs> like it just oh, was too anxiety inducing it's, it's completely anxiety inducing and i was like I was sweating the entire time in the movie and just like my stomach was in knots. Yeah. And then like maybe a week later, I like calmed down and I was like, oh, that movie was actually really good. I like that movie. <laughs> sure. No, I mean, I could, I think um, I can, I got through like the first half an hour. I can understand how it, I mean, it basically just felt to me like George Costanza, like on crack, <laughs> like just like knowing uh, that something good... bad is going to yeah. happen the whole time, that like nothing is going to work out for this person. But also there's like this very like high level of energy and like too much just sort of stimulation. Like, yeah. So uh, I just can't handle I, it. <laughs> but they're they're like basketball fans through sure. and through. I need to see, I want to see their their documentary on Lenny Cook, who is like the kind of basketball phenom who was mm-hmm. pretty much the same class as LeBron James and things didn't necessarily go down that oh, interesting. same okay. as uh, LeBron James. So that, I need to see that. I don't know where to find that one. Yeah. Um, and then their other movie, Good Time, is on Netflix too. That's not about basketball, but it's pretty, it's definitely that same high energy, sure. like, like drug-induced, kind of filmmaking um so yeah there's there's plenty of things maybe maybe quarantine will just be like me watching basketball documentaries and sports documentaries i'm i'm not not sure yeah i think that's movie marathon totally that sounds um i think that's a good use of my time right now and um 
Yeah, I just, uh, I'm not, so I, I feel like a, a lot of what's been going around is like people making specific recommendations to other people what they should watch. And like, this is the opposite of that. I'm like, this is the movie that I got 30 minutes into and then was like too unnerved by to finish. But um, yeah. I mean, I, go, I'm, I'm definitely that person if I have the option to pause stuff. I like to pause stuff that like, I'm like, oh, I'm not ready for this intense moment. I'm going to go like do something and come come back to it. But definitely, right. definitely come back. It's it's a it's an enjoyable movie. Yeah, I will. Um, I know. Last night when when I decided I didn't want to watch anymore, I was like, can't we just put on like the Water Boy? You know, it's like, do I have to see Adam Silver like losing his mind right now? Uh, I need to like take the edge off. But um, yeah, wow, I think... he has a lot of he has a lot of sports movies actually. I know, <laughs> or Happy Gilmore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, um... the one with like a. He's like another football one, right? Like Longest Yard or something like remake. Yeah, yeah. He's got and then yeah, Happy Gilmore is a classic. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I um, uh, there's plenty. I could just go down. Yeah, I mean, maybe my quarantine will be. Um, I mean, I'm not actually in quarantine, but maybe my social distancing will be very Adam Sandler, um, slash Allen Iverson focused. <laughs> maybe that's the direction there, I'm supposed to go in. <laughs> there you go. That yeah. that that works. That that said, I might need to hop off. I'm oh, getting yeah. my um, a friend of mine is letting me know this is like news happening. But my friend is kind of let me know that uh, New Orleans is about to go under like a, a curfew. Oh, and I think shit. I need oh, to. My gosh. Yeah, I think I need to go grocery shopping real quick. Yeah, please, please go. Um, oh my gosh, go grocery shopping. Let me know if I. There's nothing that I can do to help, but let me know if I no, can. You're good. And um, please stay um, totally 100% safe if you can. And I hope everyone uh, else you you know and love does as well. And um, I'm glad we got to talk about this. And we'll talk soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no 100% safe, but I appreciate sure. the sentiment. Um, and uh, yeah, good good luck to you. And uh, sorry about the postponement of your wedding and all that, oh. but it, it'll be it'll be for the best. It will be, and um, yeah, no matter what. So we will talk soon. Thanks, Abdi. Yeah, no doubt. Good talking. You too. Bye. Bye.